The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. There is a great difference between natural freedom that our culture promotes and supernatural freedom that allows the believer to mature. And as we're walking through this natural freedom, so let's, let's, let's kind of dial in what culture feels like freedom is. Natural freedom is, you know, no guidelines, no control. We want to be left alone. Nobody tell me what to do. You know what I'm saying? There is no authority over us. I want to live how I want to live. I want to do what I want to do. If I want to go here or go here or do this, I just want to be free to live whatever and however I want to live. That's natural freedom. Supernatural freedom is where God sets forth, sets forth a path to redeem us. And his son died on a cross so that we could spiritually thrive. And this only happens as we submit under his lordship. For us, freedom happens because we're obedient. It's totally different. When you think secularly, freedom is leave me alone. I'm unhibited, unhibited. But, but spiritually, you've got to submit to be free. Yeah. It's like a car that, you know, you, you've got that slick ride. You, you're looking good. You've got the convertible. Your hair's blowing. And then you think, I don't want to put gas in this anymore. I'm going to put OJ. Put some orange juice. Maybe I'm going to put some uh, Gatorade because I like Gatorade. Maybe you want to put something else into the gas tank. But the bottom line is the car can run freely and is free to move if it follows the instructions in the owner's manual. And so it's like we want to be free, but for us freedom comes as we follow this path that God has set out for us, and then all of a sudden life gets better, there's less shame, there's less guilt, we're less, we're, we're less inhibited, we're more free to do what God's called us to do. When people come to the house, and as a pastor, I, I got to say that many times it breaks my heart to see so many broken lives. And when people come to the house, I want to see them walk in supernatural freedom. Where generational issues are broken off, where love can flourish, where insecurities are healed, where deception and greed are no longer the tools needed to move and advance them forward, where addictions can be overcome, where people can walk through this building and see the transforming power of Christ in their everyday lives, where even satanic oppression is removed because we're submitting ourselves to the Word of God. Maybe you're new to the faith and you're just trying to figure out what this is all about. And I can tell you this, as a Christian, we are the most free when we're com completely submitted to the Lord. We are the most free. Man, come on, there's times when you've been praying and you've been really reading the word and you're like, man, I feel good. But when you've had a little bit of compromise, when you've entertained some conversations. Come on, don't you hate that conversation? Nothing bad happened, just nothing good happened. And so you went away from that conversation and you're like, oh, I hope that, oh, why, we shouldn't have talked about that. We shouldn't have talked about them. Oh, if that gets back to so-and-so. And, and you leave feeling like, dang. Yeah. Like, can I get a mulligan? Can I get a redo? Can I, can I, 
I just want to call you back and like, I'm sorry for everything I just said. Please delete that from your memory. Come on. If you're new to the faith, there is a great freedom available for you. And this guy named Jesus changed the game. He changed it. He, he is the son of the Almighty and he entered earth as a man and he was offered up as a payment for our jacked up, selfish, prideful ways. The Bible calls that sin. And if we look at it, you can lead two different lives. You can live a self-led life or you can lead a, lead a spirit-led life. Self-led and spirit-led. Let, let, let's kind of walk that through. As a church, our goal is not to stop at the cross. And so many people live their whole Christian life in repentance mode. It's like all you do is get to the cross, but we never get through it to this now eternal life, overcoming, victorious, growing, breaking things off our life. We just get to the cross, and then we kind of stay there and don't know how to advance past what God has really done and all that He wants us to do. Listen, a self-led life, we've all experienced it. I don't know what where you're at in this journey, but you're in a room full of people that lived a self-led life. And uh, we can tell you, it's full of broken promises and pain. Oh, now I'm gonna tell you, it seems fun for a while. That self-led life can seem fun for a while. You know, everybody's laughing, everybody's hanging out, everybody, and and so it doesn't, we don't really see um, what's really happening, but the Bible says that sin is always pleasurable for a season and so you see other people and you're managing your money and they're blowing it but you know you look at your instagram and you look at their instagram and they're like "Ah!" and you're like you know what i'm saying you bought bubble gum they went to disney world they're hanging out and they're out at night and you're like at home and it's like, well, how come? And, and I think the thing that I want to say is this. We were never called to live a self-led life. Yeah. We were called to live a spirit-led life that allows us to walk in the freedom that God intended. And we are a church that is not just going to stop at the cross where we receive redemption but stay broken. And a lot of people receive redemption but stay broken. They've made it to heaven, but they're still living in hell. They, 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 they accepted Jesus. They want him to be the Lord. They actually have a care about him. But yet, nothing is transforming in their life. And so every day, they're lonely, they're upset, they're confused. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what's happening. And that's when they think, well, maybe this isn't going to work. Maybe this, maybe I've tried religion. I've tried Jesus. Maybe I tried this, but it didn't work. And there's a process. To us, Freedom with limitations is not freedom. Not freedom at all. The Bible makes it clear that there are moments in life where adversity hits us all. And some are by our own choices, some are by others' choices, and some are by demonic forces. And that's, that, it's in the Bible. 
The Bible teaches us that there are demons, evil spirits in this world that try to interfere with our life. But we are overcomers and we overcome them all through Christ. But freedom is a continual choice. It's not a one-time choice. And you don't always find freedom at the altar. Sometimes you have to take the experience of what happened at the altar and move that through your life and choose this day who you're going to serve. Are you going to, church, are you going to serve your flesh? You're going to serve this? This emotion comes up. For those of you who are married and your wife does something or your husband does something that just annoys you. You're going to have to choose this day who you're going to serve because already these thoughts start. Now, here you are. You married this person. You love this person. You spent money on this person. But now these thoughts are coming. I am. <laughs> what do you think that is? What do you think that is that's making you turn on the very person you want to do life with? Paul said, the things I, 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 I do, I don't want to do. For the, some of you here, that whatever season of life you're in, singled, where, career, whatever, there are always this, you're in the best job. You, this is where you always wanted to be. You're making money. You have influence. You have people who are underneath you. But then all of a sudden, the, the drama or the process or the political stuff of your job is now bringing all of this emotion up. And you're ready to take this job. I'll tell you what, <laughs> you can take that egg and suck it, buddy. I mean, it, and you're ready, we're ready to throw away everything good in our life because of this emotion that happens. And, and we didn't even want, how, how many of y'all been in a conversation and you blew it? You're like, why'd I say that? Why'd I act that way? Why did I, why did I delete them on Facebook? Just to add them to, <laughs> Just to add them the next day. But, but a self-led life or a spirit-led life. Freedom is a choice. Everyone needs freedom. Turn with me to Mark. And I want to get into a text here that I think will help us as we talk about freedom. Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 8. And we're just going to read a little bit here. We'll start in verse 2. Mark chapter 5, verse 2, and it says, And when he had come out of the boat, this is Jesus. Now, let me give you just a little, little um, update. Let me get you where we're at. Jesus has just told the disciples to get in the boat, go to the other side. Sounds simple. Okay? Go to the other side. I can do that. I can walk. I can, I can roll. Get in my boat. The problem is the Sea of Galilee was what they were on. It was 64 miles wide. Square feet, 64 miles. And a huge storm came up. Rocked the boat. They were scared. Jesus was sleeping. It was crazy. They finally get to the other side. And this is the first experience since the storm. This is what's going on. Jesus immediately steps out of the boat. Let's look at this. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him a man from the tombs who with an unclean spirit, who had dwelt among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken into pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, 
he was in the mountains in the tombs crying out, cutting himself with stones. And he saw Jesus from afar and ran and worshipped him and cried out with a loud voice saying, What have I to do with you, Jesus, the Son of the Most High? I implore you by God that you don't torment me. Verse 8, look at this. For he said to him, Come out of this man, unclean spirit. I want to walk you through some concepts of freedom. I think one of the reasons that we as a church don't talk about freedom is because freedom's messy. It's a little messy. You know, when you're going to deal with unchurched people or people coming to get saved or people to come get their life transformed, they don't look cute. You know what I'm saying? They don't, they don't talk Christian ease. They, they say things that, you know, Christian, but good Christian church going folk don't say. I mean, they talk in a manner that it's a little bit, uh, oh, where you been? Who you been hanging around? Okay, smell like trouble. Got some issues. But I love that Jesus is always the first to give us an example of how we handle people who have issues. Now, what's interesting to me is Jesus didn't doctor field this dude. He did not say that you must be a product from your environment and can you let me know who your mother was and let me know who your father is and then by what I know about them, I will assess you and I will figure out what you are by what they've been. Now, if it would have been today, we would have assessed him, we would have called Dr. Phil on him and then we would have medicated him. Then we would have had some group that says, hey, Tombs are still cool if you hang out there. And then we would have started rally, and it would have been like a nonprofit, and everybody would have started giving to people who hang out in tombs. My point in this is, is, is this that some things have to be repented of, some things have to be changed, and some things need the work of God to happen in someone's life. And what, what I want to talk about when we dial down on this freedom is I've got three thoughts about freedom that I want to give you. The first is this. Jesus has an answer for a broken life. Jesus has the answer for a broken life. Jesus didn't start assessing him. He didn't start marking. I mean, he could have... I mean, if this guy is in the tombs... I mean, just can you think about the families and the people and the fathers and, and everybody's talking. I don't know, you know, maybe they have hung out at the Light Camel Cafe and, and, and they're talking about what they heard last night. I mean, did you hear that dude? I heard him. He's screaming. This guy's cutting himself. He's screaming. It, 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 I mean, children can't go visit their grandma. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a deal. Jesus has an answer for a broken life. And maybe you're in a situation right now where you're like, man, I have no what to do. I, 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 I just broke up in this relationship. I just got fired. I just got moved. My, the division that I was working in just got shut down. I have no idea. Here is what's happening in my life. And I have no idea. What That's when Jesus comes in and shows up and I'm telling you he has the answer for a broken life and can, can I tell you this I want to be a church that is okay to deal with broken people they're messy 
They're bruised. They're cut up. They're nasty. They're screaming. Can you imagine the scenario if you were an onlooker and Jesus just comes out of the boat and hits the shore with his foot and all of a sudden the crazy demon guy is running down the hill. <laughs> you don't think that somebody was like, well, you know, Jesus is ministry. Never had people like that. I mean, John the Baptist, all he did is kind of, you know, he messed with the water and he dunked some people. But Jesus, there's some crazy things happening with his people. Listen, and I, I want the person who is driving by this church that they just clubbed it all night long and they realize that my life is jacked and screwed up, that they can come in here and find people of all walks of life that will love them and care for them and try to get them to the place where they can be restored. Yes. Freedom. Freedom. Mark 5, 15. I love this. This guy's been a nuisance. No chain could hold him. No system could fix him. No, no institution could, could reprocess and, and re help him to relearn. 5, 15. Look at this. And then they came to Jesus. These are the town people. And they saw the one who had had demon possession and a legion, dude had a lot of, man, he was jacked, sitting clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Come on, what if, what if, people come here and a year of being in the house their marriage is back together what if they come here and they're and and you know what other people on the other side of town know them as someone who has affairs they run around on their wife they do this but then all of a sudden they came in here met the lord god started to change their life and now they're clothed in their right mind that's what I'm looking for, is I'm looking for people that can come in here one way and allow the transforming power of Jesus to meet them, to know them, to connect with them, and to restore them. That's the goal for the believer. That's the goal. The second thing I want to tell you is this. Freedom happens as we give up. You can't be free in an area if you won't let go of it. You gotta let go of some conversations that have been playing in your mind for about 10 years. You know what I'm saying? You gotta let go of telling your mom off and you're trying to figure out when that conversation's really gonna throw down or, or you know what, telling, we're gonna have to let some stuff go. We're gonna have to give up. A train is free only as long as it stays on the tracks. If that train jumps the tracks, it's free of the rails, but it can no longer move forward in its purpose. Listen, if we're going to experience freedom and we're going to give up some things, there are three things that we need to give up. First, we need to give up ignorance. We need to give up ignorance. We've got to become a student of the way and the thoughts of God. We cannot be beat up by the enemy or poor choices just because we didn't know. I didn't know that God, I didn't know that. We are now a very biblically illiterate culture yeah. where people move more on sensation than they do dive down and learn the truth. Yeah. They would rather go to a meeting than turn the TV off and read the Bible. And listen, I'm not saying that meetings 
afraid. I'm not saying that God can't do something. But all you're getting at best is something regurgitated that God spoke to them about and they're trying to tell you. But the best teacher is when God sits you down and the Holy Spirit is able to teach you and you've humbled your heart and you've said, God, what's up? Because you know you better than ever anybody else can assess you. And God can get real with you, and it's always better for Him to get real with you in private than for them to be a public mess up. Ignorance. Man, I was working with my mom's VA. She had a lot of issues, and y'all have heard me talk about that, cancer and then broken shoulders. And, and I tell you what, I, I had to, to learn how to work through these VA benefits, and I was ignorant. I was ignorant. I did not know. I didn't know who to ask. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know what was available. I didn't know how to receive the help that I needed. But the crazy thing is, my not knowing didn't change what was available. What if there is available, what if available to you is a thriving, productive life where insecurity is no longer ruling and reigning in your life? What if that's available to you? It is. What if in your life, purpose and direction and plans and open doors, what if all of that is available to you? Because I believe that it is. We have to get rid of some ignorance. We've got to study, the Bible says, to show ourselves approved. The second thing that we have to get rid of when we're talking about giving up something for freedom is arrogance. We've got to get rid of ignorance, but we've also got to get rid of arrogance. Come on, for those that have been in the faith for a while, who we know a few scriptures, and we've had a few experience, it doesn't come down to what you know, it comes down to what you practice. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who spoke over your life or what prophet or what moment or what bishop or what pastor or, or what elder called you when you were young or if you got a call to ministry or if you didn't. All of that is up here, but it only matters what we practice daily. And we've got, we've, we get arrogant in our faith because we're not where we used to be and we're more than we used to be and we're better than our parents and oh yeah we start to get haughty and arrogant but it's a contrite heart that God can use it's a humble heart that God can use come on think back when you were really connecting with the Lord and you were praying God please get me out of this God please send me some money God please send me an opportunity now we get a little bit we have a little bit we're able to buy a hamburger every now and then not bills aren't bouncing and all of a sudden look what i've done look man i'm like a lifetime story i should be on you know what i'm saying so i should be on guidepost i mean this this thing right here arrogance listen and I see two sides. I see the arrogant believer that thinks that if we just clean up the outside enough that people will think we're okay. But then I see the super spiritual person who, you know what, they're always looking for something new for God. They, they chase the new 
but they forget the fundamentals. Listen, there's deeper waters, and God is deep, and you can't exhaust the end of Him. And I'm for deep waters, but listen, you, there's still some equations that you have to, you can't keep going. What got you deep is learning how to swim. And, you, and as soon as you stop learning how to swim, it's going to be jacked. It's going to be messed up. Build your life on love. Build your life on listening. Build your life on responsibility. Build your life on these things, and then God will give you more, and you can use more. Dominance. Arrogance. Ignorance, arrogance, dominance. Come on, who's in control? Who's in real control? When he speaks, do you listen or do you get scared? Do you give up? Dominance. Come on. It's very easy when we come in here to, to just go through worship. But do you worship? Do you connect with God? Is Because there's a wrestling for, that's why worship is so important. And we see King David worshiping because it's so important. Because you can do it, but never get it done. Come on, who's going to be dominant? In the core areas, we'll let you know who, if it's a self-led life or a spirit-led life. With your worship, with your time, with your reading, with your finances. Those are the catalysts. That's how you know. I love God. I'm all out for God. Okay, great. How are your financing de finances demonstrating that? Because the Bible says wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Oh man, I, I love God. I love God. Great. When's the last time that you just you got you put on the you were in the car, you turned on the, some worship music, and you just started that nasty sing that's like doesn't even matter what key it is, and you can't find it if it was pointed out to you. You know where you're like in it, and people are looking at you through other windows, and you're like, I'm getting my praise on. Dominance, the word, when the word goes forth. The last thing is this. Adam, will you turn on the air back there? The last thing is this. With freedom comes ministry. See, the reason that you're to be free is not so that you have a life that doesn't have problems. And we are such, in this Western culture, we're so easy. I don't want a problem. I have a splinter. You know what I'm I, I, we don't want any problems. We don't want any negative vibes, any negative energy. We don't, ooh, you're a negative person. We don't, we don't want any of those thoughts. And so we try to limit ourselves and move away all the stressful people and all the, you know. But, but here's what I want to say. Is that Anything that God gives you, God never gives you for you. He always gives you for everybody else. Because God is a God of use. And God will never give you something to make you. It's always something that you can use to transform your life, to have a testimony that makes the kingdom. That's what he does. I love at the end of this verse, let's go down to 19 and we're almost done. But it says this, look at this. He, he's gotten... He's gotten the, the demon dude's gotten healed. Jesus shows up. Jesus just changes the whole cultural atmosphere. The religious say, bro, you have to leave. 
And this, this guy that now is in his right mind, he wants to go with Jesus. He wants to pony up and say, bro, I'm going. Fit me in the boat. Look at this. However, Jesus did not permit him and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion on you. In other words, what God is doing in you is not for you. It's not so that life gets better and easier. It's so that life becomes more effective. It's because life is going to be more, of, you're going to become more of a producer. And so everything that God has done in your life, it should be a testimony to encourage someone else. Not so that my life, oh man, this is great. I'm just a great Christian. I just love it. I don't have a problem. This is just wonderful. He's so wonderful, wonderful. Come on. In my own story, my, Katie and I are both, both parents, got divorced. And, and, and can I tell you how many young people I have seen cry, college students that had father issues, that I went to them and, and started talking to them about what God did in my life and what God had to break in my life. What freedom have God done, has God done in your life that could totally change somebody's life? See, the mission of the church is that we live better out there than we do in here. That's the mission. And so for us, Jesus has the answer to a broken life. Freedom happens as we give up. And freedom comes ministry. When you're free, come on, that's when you minister. God didn't save you just so that he could have another number in heaven. He saved you so that you could represent his love here. That you could represent his love here. So that you could make the kingdom here. And listen, freedom is available for you today. God has a great plan for your life. And I don't know where you're allowed in in this journey. You, You may have accomplished every one of your dreams. And you may have lost every one of your dreams. But I can tell you this, is that God is a restorer. And if you will come and let the freedom of God, not the freedom of, of man or, or, or some natural freedom, but some supernatural freedom happen in your life, guess what? You'll go forward and you won't have to be a people pleaser. You'll move forward in your, in your life as a Christian because it'll start to settle and solidify in you. And you'll bear much fruit. And ultimately, that's what God has us to do. The goal is not for us to clean up. The goal is for us to produce. That's the goal of a Christian. And that's why we need you free. We need you to pray. Free. We We need you free to pray for somebody. Come on. How do you raise a church culture that feels like they're going to have to breathe into a, a, a paper bag if we ask them to pray for somebody. Oh, I can't, I'm not, I, oh Jesus. I mean, it's like, how do we get to a culture of believers when all we see in here is Jesus and the disciples praying for people? It's like the model. It wasn't like, but yet we have raised a culture of people. 
If I ask for someone to pray for someone, uh, God, uh, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know how you do this. We've got to learn. Yeah. We've got to learn how to do this. Yeah. Because there are broken people that need what we've been through, and we're going to give it in God's hands, and we're going to learn to be free, and we're going to learn to break addiction, and we're gonna, right. as a church, we're going to learn to, to, to thrive. And we're going to learn to, to, in our singleness, we're going to thrive. In our marriage, we're going to thrive. In our single parenting, we're going to thrive. We're going to thrive where we're at because that's what God does. He sent Jesus to chip, flip the script, change what should have happened, and get us to a place where we're going to be. That's right. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at The House, follow us on social media at The House underscore NWA.